Will you do me a favor and turn to those same two people that you turned to earlier and just tell them that they have a purpose? Tell them, you have a purpose. They need to know, you have a purpose. See, here's the thing. Did you know this, that that we always say at Meadows, uh, you were created on purpose. Emily, you were created on purpose for a purpose, weren't you? You were. And you were too. And, And here's the thing. Emily's like, don't ever talk to me again. Okay, so whatever. So, uh, so you were created on purpose for a purpose. Um, every living thing, every living thing has a purpose. Did you know that? If it's alive, God made it for a purpose. And you know what you're thinking about right now? You're thinking about the same thing I just thought about. You're thinking about mosquitoes? Seriously? I mean, I, what? I mean, I had to do the research because I've thought about it too. I'm like, God. Were you sleeping? Did they just sneak through the creation portal? I don't get it. How did this happen? So I did a little research for you and I because we need to know why. Why? Believe it or not, mosquitoes are pollinators. Just like bees and butterflies, mosquitoes transfer pollen from flower to flower. To, as they, so as they feed on the nectar, fertilizing the plants and allowing them to form seeds and reproduce. They're pollinators. So the next time that you're out on your walk and you see a beautiful flower, you can thank a mosquito, right? You still won't thank thank him from a distance, right? I mean, seriously. So that's what they, oh, by the way, by the way, you may not know this, but I found this out in the research too. The mosquitoes that bite you, the females. I'm just saying, <laughs> girls, I don't get, I don't know why you're like that, but they literally, it's the girls that are doing it. Gosh, so what about this? Because, you know, you know, what about cats? Let's just call it what it is. If everything living has a purpose, and all the cat lovers are looking at me like, you better not. See, I, I, so is there, where's my cat? Is there a cat up there that, yes, yeah, there, there. So this cat, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm not a huge fan of cats, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, uh, Mariah, I know you're in here somewhere probably listening, and um, <laughs> cat, here's the thing. Cats, I'm going to, all the cat lovers, I'm going to do something nice today. I, I researched cats for you, and they are not as bad as I once thought, okay? I'm just going to admit it out loud. This is, this is what it said in my research. Owning any pet is good for the heart. We know that. Cats in particular. <laughs> it's hard for me to even say this. Cats in particular lower your stress level, according to this test. They lower the amount of anxiety in your life. Petting a cat has a positive calming effect, okay? I can't, that's what the research stated in this thing that I, I, I looked up. So I'm like, okay, so that's, that's all good and fine. Um, but maybe it's the type of cat, right? I, maybe it's the, the cat that you get. I had a roommate and, you know, and the reason maybe I have a bad taste in my mouth is because his cats were crazy and it wasn't a calming effect. It was more of a uh, scratching and clawing effect. But so I didn't have that. In fact, just to give you a little glimpse, I took a picture of the cat that I used to live with when I left. Look at this thing. I mean, this is the cat. Isn't that nuts? That was him. Jason the killer cat. I mean, I, uh, anyway, so yeah. So, cat, love you cat lovers. See, they do have a purpose and it's not as bad as I thought. Every living thing has a purpose. Say everything. Everything. How do you know what yours is? How do you know? The reason that God, we believe, has given us the mission to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose is because there are literally millions of people existing but not living. Are you one of them? I was most of my life. They're existing and going through each and every day, just kind of going through the motions, but not doing what they were created to do, not being who they were created to be. So I always say, if you want to know the purpose, if you want to know why you were created, 
it would probably be good to look at who created you, right? No one knows the creation better than the creator. So what does God say? If he created us, and he did, God, what did you create us for? What did you create us to do? You have five universal purposes. Uh, the foundation of our church hinges on this. But, but you also have a unique purpose. So the five purposes that every believer of Jesus has, uh, by the way, by the way, if you're not a believer in Jesus, I am so excited that you're here. If you're questioning your faith because you've been hurt or, or, or something has happened, thank you for coming through the doors. If, you, if you're sitting here thinking, I don't even believe in God, but yet you had the courage to come today, not, you're not only welcome here, you're wanted here. I love that you're here, and I love that you're open enough to be here to watch what God, I believe, can do in your life. But if you're a believer, you, there's, there's five things. The Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Uh, this is for everybody. I don't care if, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, this is your purpose. The Great Commandment's loving God and loving others, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So those are two purposes right there. And then the Great Commission... We've parked here in this series called Living on Purpose. The Great Commission, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Okay, that is a purpose in your life. And, and, and by the way, this is what our purpose groups that we're starting this coming week are all about. If you're hearing this for the first time, I cannot encourage you enough. Those of you watching online, go back and watch the other messages in this series. We are unpacking the disciple process that God has given our church, and it is foundational. Because we're commanded to go and make disciples. But yet I contend, if you ask somebody, who are you making as a disciple? Most Christians can't answer that question. I was one of them Christians for a long time. So, but we are purposely, uh, we have a process in place to help us make disciples. That's purpose group. So, uh, go and make disciples. Baptize them, right? We're, we're going to live that purpose out in a couple weeks. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach the new disciples to obey. We never stop learning. That is a purpose in your life. Teach them to, to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even until the end of the age Universal purposes. I just gave you five that, that, you, that you want, God wants you living out. Now, let's, let's drill down and get, get personal. Let, let, what about your unique purpose? Because if you were created to do something no one else can do, what is that that you were created to do? Well, again, we look to the Father. I'm going to give you four questions a day, that, that, and I'll show you scripture that backs these questions up. Four questions. Man, if you don't take notes ever, this would be the day that you might want to start. Whether it's in your phone or on, on the notes, whatever it is, you want to own these four questions. Because here's my promise to you. If, you. if you will answer these four questions, you'll know your unique purpose. That's my promise to you. Some of you, you'll be, you'll be able to answer some of the questions like that. Like you'll see the question, like, I already know the answer. I already know the answer. Other, others, other questions, you might be like, oh. I gotta, I gotta do some digging there. I gotta do some soul searching. I gotta do a little research on that one, and that's okay. It's, it's not gonna be easy. Purpose is never easy. Understand that. Question number one What are you passionate about? What burdens you? What fires you up? What gets you out of bed? What, what, what are you passionate about? What do you love? What brings you joy? Okay? Do you know how many people, and this is gonna be some of you, don't raise a hand. Don't say anything. But how many people are miserable in their job? And I'm not, I'm not, hands going up. I, I did not see that. But I mean, that was me. That was me for a lot of my life. If, if you're miserable for eight to 10 hours a day, you're, you're probably not in, you're probably not doing something you're passionate about, guaranteed, right? So 
I came to tell you this. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. God doesn't want you living that way. Now, now don't hear me like, well, dang it. All right, pastor said that. Monday morning, I'm going to go in there and tell my boss, you know, bah. <laughs> well, don't do that, okay? Unless God's telling you to do that. So, but you're, to be miserable, like some of you tonight, you'll have a sick feeling in your stomach because tomorrow's Monday. And you dread what you do. And that's not God's purpose for your life. And maybe if you just heard that and nothing else today, that will give you hope to know that you, you, you need to start digging and looking for what your, what your uh, unique purpose is. That's why it's so crucial and so exciting that you're here and that you're listening. God wants you to have joy. God wants you to have passion. It doesn't mean it's always going to be fun, but it does mean that you are passionate about it. I've been at the jobs where you're not. I, oh my gosh. I talked about this job once before, but I'm telling you, in college... I had a job for three months, felt like about 300 months, and three months, telemarketing. <laughs> I was the guy that called you when you sat down with your family for dinner, you know, and tried to sell you credit card insurance. That was me. I know, you can throw stuff at me later, but that was me. And I would go there, and it was, I just did the job, and I got out, and I've never left a job. I've never, like, like said, quit a job. I don't think I've ever just quit a job and left and never come back, except this one. Except this one. My last day, I didn't know it was my last day until I had this last call, and I talked to that gal. Some of you know the story. And I said, so-and-so, this is Monty calling on behalf of Sears Payment Systems. Can you hear me okay? And she's like, yep. And then I went and I my spiel about how I'm going to save her thousands of dollars when she loses her credit cards, and I'm going to sell her this insurance. But I didn't even get into that part. I got like two sentences into it, and she's like, Monty, can you hear me okay? And I was like, yeah, I actually can. We have a great connection right now. I can hear you just fine. She's like, you call me again, and I'll cut your blank and throat. That's what she told me. And I was like, you know, okay. I gave the courtesy clothes, because, okay, I'm, I'm nice that way. And I, I hang the phone up, and I'm like, you know, for nine bucks an hour? I don't think so. So I got up out of my chair and clocked out and never came back. And I'm like, you don't have to live that way. I ain't living that way. So cut my throat. Anyway, so uh, what are you passionate about? Psalm 9611, let the heavens be glad, and the earth rejoice. Say rejoice. Rejoice. God loves when you rejoice. He loves when you have joy. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. The father loves to see his children do what they love. That's what he created you. What are you passionate about? Ava, I love that you love tennis. You've fallen in love with tennis over the last year and a half. I love watching her play tennis. I love playing tennis with her. Except when she beats me. Then it's not so fun. But still, it's joyful. And she does beat me now, and it's sad, but it's still, I love what she, she, she loves what she does. Jay got into skateboarding. My, my 13-year-old, soon to be 14-year-old, got into skateboarding about a month and a half ago. I love watching him skateboard. In fact, one, remember, Jake, remember the night you brought me out there, what, 10 o'clock at night, and uh, you were showing me these tricks on a skateboard. He took the wheels off one of the skateboards. I don't know why he's doing this stuff. But anyway, so he takes them off, and he's doing flips on it and showing me all these tricks, and I'm like, dang it, that's pretty cool. But he was having such fun, and that brings the father joy. Of course, a week later, he was out of control on one and broke his wrist. But you know what? Whatever. So, <laughs> you know what, Jake? That's a great illustration. When you're living what you're passionate about, doesn't mean you won't have pain. It doesn't mean you're not going to struggle, right? I guarantee if you're living in your passion sweet spot, you'll have pain. See, your purpose is always paved with pain. Understand that. We live in a world that brings pain, but when you can tolerate it, you can actually grow from it when you're in something that you're passionate about. That is so key that we get that. Always be joyful. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Always be joyful. Always be joyful. Well, I don't know, pastor. Always be joyful? 
Always? I mean, haven't you heard there's a pandemic going on? You know, COVID-19, COVID-2020, COVID-2021. I mean, haven't you heard that the, there's mask mandates again? And haven't you heard that these, this vaccine is causing a lot of controversy? Haven't you heard that, uh, you know, haven't you heard that there's, there's tragedy happening in the world and things are, things are really gone awry in other countries, including our country? I have. I have heard all that. I, I, don't, I don't discount any of it. But haven't you also heard of Jesus? See, sometimes we get so caught up, and I'm not saying those things don't matter, but Jesus, we also have him, right? And don't you think as followers of Jesus, I just believe this, as followers of Jesus, we should be the most joy-filled people in the world. That should be who we are, regardless of what's going on. Well, Disney's the happiest place on earth. Well, I, have you been to Disney? I mean, I don't know. So, whatever. You could be the happiest place. I've, I've seen a lot of unhappy people at Disney. I've been there twice. I'm just speaking out loud right now. I know, Bethany, we got a lot of Disney fans here. But um, I've seen people. I've seen a lot of crying at Disney. I've seen a lot of overtired people at Disney. I've seen a lot of uh, tantrums. I've seen a lot of writhing around on the ground at Disney. And, and this is all just the parents. So, I'm just, I'm telling you. Disney. But Disney, you want dibs to be the happiest place on earth? Fine, you can have them. But the church of Jesus Christ should be the most joy-filled place on the freaking planet. That's what we should be. This is the church of Jesus. We have the best news in the world. The best news. So, one more hint on this question. Many times your passion, many times your passion will actually come from your past. Okay? Almost, almost, I don't want to say always, but a lot of the time, you want to know what you're passionate about? Look at what you've been through. Look at what you've, look at what you've gone through. I'll, I'll guarantee you, if you're not sure, what am I passionate about? What burdens you? What have you been through? Your crisis, a lot of times, turn into what God uses to, to reach other people. I wrote this down. Everything in your past is preparation for your future. Did you know that? Everything is. Your hurt is someone else's healing. Okay? Your disappointment is someone else's deliverance. Okay? So God wants you to use what you've been through to help somebody else get through what they're going through. That's what God wants to do. So what, think about it. What have I been through? What have I, what have I gone through? You know, it's, it's, that's what God does. Celebrate recovery. Our, our recovery ministry, that by the way, starting up on September 8th, the leaders that are leading it, Mike Smith, Suzanne, Cheryl, you know what? They've all got a past. They've all been through it. What, what do you think they have a passion for now? What they've been through. Now helping others. Celebrate recovery. By the way, 12 steps of recovery for hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Not just drugs, not just alcohol. You got anger issues? It's for you. You've been through abuse? It's for you. You're codependent? It's for you. Okay? And of course, all the addictions that, that are so many out there, it's for you. I mean, I, I'm writing a book about how the 12 steps of recovery are biblically based and how they're for everybody. So maybe you got, if you have any questions on Celebrate Recovery, write it down on your card, put it in the comments, and there's a sign up for that at guest services too. You want to work the 12 steps and get set free? Welcome home. You can do it. Question number two, the first one, what are you passionate about? The second one, what are you good at? We're all good at something, and there's two types of good. There's talents, those are things you're born with, and then there's gifts. So, so talents, again, you're born with them. My niece, I, she is very athletic. My brother, by the way, my brother, she's the oldest of his clan. Six daughters. Six daughters. We should pause. Jesus, in your name, please be with my brother. In, amen. So, I mean, I don't know how you do it without a lot of 
Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, so she, Alexis is the oldest. She is a stud athlete, set the triple jump record um, in South Dakota as a freshman in high school, went on to jump for North Carolina, the Tar Heels. I mean, just, and I'd love to tell you, oh man, she takes after her uncle. But I'm telling you, if they ever film a white man can't jump too, I'd be starring in it, okay? It, uh, see, it isn't me. It, I, she, don't get it from me. My talent, I had to think about it. I, I, I know I got them, but eating fast, is that a talent? I mean, I could eat incredibly fast. And I, I, I had to ask myself, where did I get that? Like, I'm the youngest of six. We had nothing hardly growing up. So I suppose food hits the table. You eat or you starve. So that's probably where it came from. I'd say, I'd say, yeah, it's a talent. Jody, my wife would say it's annoying. So that's what she'd say. We don't share meals. We don't share desserts because she know she don't have a chance. Okay? She has no chance of getting any of that. So um, <laughs> uh, what, is your, what is your talent? What are you good at? And if you don't know what you're good at, ask somebody close to you. Someone that'll tell you the truth, too, even if it hurts. Not everybody's cut out for American Idol. I don't care how good you think you sound in the shower, right? Find someone who'll tell you the truth. Sarah, he's our worship leader. I mean, you think he's all godly and whatever. Sometimes he can just be a jerk. I'm like, Sarah, when am I going to get up there and lead a solo on the worship team? He's like, never. And then I'm like, you're fired. <laughs> so that may never happen, but I don't know. Bless the Lord. Anyway, so... Um, yeah, maybe I don't have it. What are you talented at? And what are your gifts? By gifts, I mean the Holy Spirit gifts you with things. A non-believer doesn't have them. They don't have them. You don't believe in Jesus or you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus. You don't have spiritual gifts. But you can. You can. They can start today if you want. But the Holy Spirit living in you gives you gifts as soon as you're saved. Did you know that? Like, the Bible talks all about them. I don't have time to go through those all. This isn't a message on spiritual gifts. I'll give you one scripture, and then I'll tell you how to find them. But one scripture that packs a lot of the spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Listen, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help one another. Why? So you can help one another. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message, uh, a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives, the, gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from God or another spirit. God isn't the only Spirit who's going to speak to us. So, still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, like speaking in tongues, they call that, right? Ava, I thought you had the gift for a while. Sometimes in the morning when I'm like, hey, Ava, you know, how's it going? And it's morning, and Ava's like, I was like, what? And then I, 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 I said, Jake, what'd she just say? And Jake's like, okay, I got that much, Jake. So, she might be speaking in tongues, we don't know, or she's just very tired. So, while another is given the ability to interpret what's being said, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes the gifts. Only the Holy Spirit gives these gifts. No one else does. And if you don't know the Holy Spirit personally, then you can't have them. But the good news is, you can have them. They're available if you want them today. God says, when you are faithful, excuse me, excuse me, I got ahead of myself. He alone decides which gift each person should have. That's 1 Corinthians 12. You can go to Romans 12, you can go to Ephesians 4, and you can, you'll, you'll find all the gifts uh, kind of encompassed in those scriptures. But, but I could tell you two of mine, leadership and evangelism, before I met the Holy Spirit personally, I didn't have those gifts, I don't think. In fact, I know I didn't. 
And after I gave my life to Christ, surrendered my life to Christ, I have this burden to lead, not just lead, but lead leaders. And uh, I don't know that I'm great at it, but I know that God has given me a burden and he's given me ability to do it. He has done that. And evangelism, I mean, I have a heart for people that are lost and, and I, I, I do want to engage them and reach out to them. And that is huge. And I didn't have that before. So I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit gives gifts. What are you good at? Where's your passion? Where, where are your gifts and talents? Number three, what provides for you? Now, 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 this is one that a lot of little um, formulas may not include, but, but I include it. See, I just believe that God wants you to be taken care of as well. So what provides for you? How, how are you going to get paid, in other words? Well, you know, Pastor, it, you know, it really shouldn't be, it shouldn't be about the money. It shouldn't be all about the money. You know, money really shouldn't matter. Okay, okay, if money doesn't matter, give me all your money. I mean, seriously, give me, if, if money don't matter... I just, I, it bothers me when people are like, well, if you're living your God-given purpose, you're going to be living in some cardboard box and, you know, everything that you have is going to go out and, you know, you shouldn't have anything nice. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I, you want to know my response to that? I can't tell it to you because this is being recorded and I'm a pastor. But anyway, I can give you the PG-13 version. That's crap. I don't believe that at all. Uh, now, now, God might call some people to just give it all away. I think those are rare instances. And the reason maybe I, I, I'm, I, I'll park here for a second is because I've seen people who they feel called, like, I'm going to just, everything that I take in, I'm giving out. And, and I see that happen, but they've neglected the people closest to them. And the people that they're literally living with or people that, they, that, that, that aren't really getting their needs met because we're so busy meeting everybody else's needs. I don't think God wants us to forsake those closest to us. In fact, I can show you scripture that says he doesn't to, to, uh, because we're going to get so heavenly minded. I don't believe that. I don't think God wants that. But God definitely, I mean, some of the greatest givers and most generous people that I know, they, they have, I mean, they have a nice house. Okay, they have a car. Sometimes they have two cars. I know it's crazy. And they're still giving away more than I've ever seen anybody give. Well, they have more money. Generosity has nothing to do with how much money you have. Nothing. Zero to do with how much money you have. They are generous because they know that what they've been given was never theirs in the first place. They know that everything they own is on loan, right? So they know that when they're faithful with what they have, God blesses them in areas of their life. That's biblical. That, that's what they know and they live in that, they live in that reign. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes, this is a tithe and offering, into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. You do your part, I'll do mine. If you do, this is God speaking, I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And I'm so proud of our church. So many people are getting this under this umbrella of being obedient in the tithe and the offering. And I tell them, you stay faithful with it, you'll see God's hand like never before. And I'm not just talking about finance. I'm talking about every area of your life. He will do it. It, it won't be easy. You'll have trials. You'll have tests. It won't be easy. It'll just be fruitful. It'll be abundant. It'll change you. It is so incredible. Psalm 23. This is where Meadows gets its name. The very first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Would you rest in that for just a second? Is the Lord your shepherd? And do you understand that with him, you have, you'll have everything you need. The Bible talks about him taking care of sparrows and birds. He cares about you more than a bird. I'll guarantee you that. You're created in his, in his image. I have all that I need. Trust the Father. One more, Philippians 4.19. And my God, say my God. He's your God. He's my God. He will supply every need of yours according to his riches in the glory in Christ Jesus. He'll, he'll take care of you. 
He's an abundant God. He owns it all. Trust him in that. So, so as you think about this unique um, purpose of yours, and sometimes it might be a side thing, but a lot of times it's going to provide for you too in a way that you can take care of it. You can continually do the ministry you're called to do. Because if you're saved, you're a minister. You know that, right? If you're saved, you have a ministry. So, all right, last but not least. Okay, we got passions. We got what we're good at. We got what's going to help take care of us or provide for us and our family and those around us. Last but certainly not least, what meets a significant need in the world? This is huge. Because if you don't get to this question, none of the other questions really matter. Because ultimately, the definition of Christianity, and this, you won't... You won't find this. This is my definition. You're not going to find it in like a, a dictionary or an encyclopedia, you know. Kids, by the way, an encyclopedia, it, there are these books. Anyway, just Google it. So, um, so what was I saying? Oh, Christianity. The definition I would say it is, it's not about me. That's the definition of Christianity. It's not about me. And what do you mean, Pastor? I thought that, I thought that God cared for me and he loves me. He does. But, but when, when you surrender your life to Christ, it's no longer you that lives, it's Christ that lives in you. So what should happen is pretty soon that you, don't want, you want less of what you want in a selfish way, and you want, you want more of what God wants in a kingdom way. That's what he means. And here's the thing. When you make it about other people, God makes it about you. He'll take care of you. We just read that in some scriptures earlier. He loves you. He wants to provide for you. He'll take care of you. That's what he wants. So, so Christianity, it's not about me. There is a sobering but yet beautiful scripture in Matthew 25. Jesus at Judgment Day. You know what he's doing? He's separating the, the, the saved from the unsaved. In the, in the illustration, it's the sheep and the goats. The poor goats, they don't, they're the unsaved. So that's just that's the lot that they get. But Matthew 25, 35. This is what he says because this is saying, this is how I'm separating the fruit of what you're doing, if I'm in you, there'll be fruit. So here's what happens. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And they're like, oh, I don't understand. We didn't see you, Jesus. We didn't care for you. And, and King Jesus is like, listen, let me break it down. The king says, I tell you the truth. When you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. And this hits like a ton of bricks because let's get real. This is Meadows Church. We, we like to take the mask off and just say it's okay to not be okay. I'm not okay in areas of my life. And maybe, you, maybe you're the same. I bet you are. We as followers of Jesus, even though Christ lives in us, if that's you, it, 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 it still can be a struggle to be other-focused, right? It's a daily surrender is what I'm saying. So... So the purpose groups that I'm talking about, the discipleship process, oh my gosh, they're insane. So you're doing a purpose group with three other people. It's four people in a group for a year, reading through the, the, the word of God together and then holding each other accountable to what God is telling us to do. Oh man, if you, a big piece of those groups are our ones. The ones, right? The one. Ones are those in our lives that we know that don't, either don't know Jesus or don't have a church home. And, and, and at the end of the day, we're all going to die. And at the end of the day, we, we go to heaven or hell. And that should matter to us. And, and, and if there's people that we know that we don't know, or we, we, maybe we know they don't have the Lord, we, they don't know Jesus, 
we, we, we do what we can. We pray for them. We build intentional relationships with them. It's not like they're a project. They are a person that Jesus Christ died for. But there are ones, and we hold each other accountable. Hey, you praying for them? Hey, did you reach out and go to lunch just to build that connection? So anyway, one of my ones, he's, he's, he's off. I mean, he's just, he's, uh, he's lost. But he reminds me of me. Some days it still reminds me of we, the, the way I am today. It's just, he's so he calls me, or no, he sent me a message, and he's like, hey, can you pick me up, out of, can you pick me up from jail? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, so, uh, you know, in my humanness, I'm like, ah, I really don't want to, and then he's telling me where he is. He's like, I'm over in Iowa, I'll be in Iowa. I'm like, what? And then, and then I need to get picked up at midnight. I'm like, what? I don't, midnight, well, that's when I get released. And I'm like, everything in me, I'm the pastor, and everything in me is like, I really don't, can't Uber do something, you know? I, I don't want to do it. But I knew, I knew I had to do it. I knew I had to because the accountability piece and because of what I'm called to do and because it's never going to be comfortable, it's never going to be convenient. If it's convenient, it's probably not Jesus, just saying. So I, I didn't tell, I don't think I told Jody and the kids till later and I'm getting, I'm getting dressed, I'm getting ready to go somewhere. It's like 1130 at night. Jody's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go pick somebody up in jail. She's like, What? <laughs> it's a long story, but I'm going to go pick somebody up in jail. The kids are like, be careful, Dad. You know, they're all worried. And I'm like, if I'm not home in a couple hours, call the cops. Seriously, I don't know. So, but I went and did it. And, 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 but in my humanness, I didn't want to. I, I, in my humanness. But it's not about me. It's not about me. He says, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. So it, 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 it compels you. That's why purpose groups are so accountable and so huge. We all need to be held accountable. Otherwise, many times we won't do what we're called to do. It's just our, our humanness. John 15, 12. This is my commandment. What is it, Jesus? And he says that you love one another as I have loved you. Will you love one another as I have loved you? I've upped the ante. It's no longer love like uh, you love your neighbor, but now love like I love you. And that's a, that's a, listen, at the end of the day, the illustration that you're seeing on the screen with the four circles and the four questions, it's not all encompassing. But I guarantee you if, you, if you, if you take time with the Lord and you answer those questions, you will have a very good start at what you're called to do. And look at me. I don't want you to. I don't want you to drift. I don't want you to live a mediocre life. I don't want you to just exist. Christ died so that you might live abundantly. It won't be easy. The decisions that you make, it'll, it'll require courage. It, it will require you taking a risk. I promise you it will. Anything of faith means a risk is involved. It will require you. I wrote this down. It will require you to say yes to less. And I believe that with all my heart. Maybe this is personal towards me, but I think that we live in a world that is so busy and so out of control, we don't have time to even sit still and think, let alone be with the Lord. So many activities, so many things for our kids and for us and to do this and that and this and that. The devil doesn't care if you're sinning. You just stay busy. He's fine with that. He's perfectly fine with that. Just stay busy. Stay on the screen. Keep scrolling. Keep looking. Keep living your life through the lens of somebody else and their lens isn't even a fact. It's like fiction. But he wants you to keep doing it. And we just keep doing it, we keep doing it, we keep doing it. And days turn to weeks, and weeks turn to months, and months turn to years. And pretty soon, they're off to college. And pretty soon, there's grandkids. And it's like, how did this all happen? Life is a quick trip. We, we need to say no to the good things so we can say yes to the great things. 
What the great things in your life? I gave you four answers or four questions that will lead you to the great thing. You put the work in, you, you answer those questions. I promise you, every living thing has a purpose. Is the devil a living thing? Yes. Every living thing has a purpose. John 10.10, 10, the king is speaking. His name is Jesus. The thief, this is the enemy, the devil. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why he exists. And he doesn't stop. He doesn't rest. He doesn't take summers off. He doesn't go on vacation. He is ruthless. And when you look at what's going on in Afghanistan, let's personalize it, and the Taliban, you want to see evil personified? That's it. But here's the thing. Even the, the men that are part of this regime, ultimately, they're not even the enemy. I mean, they're making decisions, and they're choosing, so I get it. I mean, they're... But, but the enemy is, is maneuvering. And the enemy, they're, they're agreeing with the enemy. So they're doing these things. Your spouse isn't the enemy. Your ex isn't the enemy. Your kid that doesn't talk to you and hasn't for five years isn't the enemy. We have one. And he wants to kill, steal, and destroy anything that's good in your life. The last thing he wants, by the way, he wants to kill this message. That's what he wants. The last thing he wants is for you to go home and look at your sheet or look at the circles or go back and watch that part and say, okay, what are these questions and how do I? That's the last thing he wants. He, he will do anything that you don't do it. Or he wants you to think, you know what? Tomorrow. Just, just do it tomorrow. Purpose groups, the signups out, out there, just do them tomorrow. Life groups, those are uh, another group that we have that's amazing. There's signups out in the Welcome Center. No, no, no. Don't worry about it today, he's saying. Just think about that tomorrow. Celebrate recovery, even though you're dying in, in, in these issues that you have and, and your life is dysfunctional and out of control, it's out of control. Trust me, I've been there. And the devil says, tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. Here's what I wrote down. Most often tomorrow, oh gosh, catch this. Most often tomorrow only becomes today when tragedy strikes or dreams are shattered. It's an unfortunate truth that tomorrow will never turn into today until something bad happens. It took a drug addiction that wanted to kill me, and it was. It took a drug addiction to get me to surrender. That's, don't, don't wait until your life is so disarray, so out of control. So, don't wait until you're so dead on the inside to take a step today. Don't tell yourself tomorrow, you know, I'll look at what I'm passionate about. Don't say that. Tomorrow, I'll, I'll think about what my gifts and my talents may be. Tomorrow, I'll determine how I can make an impact in somebody else's life. No, 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 the time is now. Today is the day, and I'll tell you, devil, I declare in the name of Jesus Christ, you will not stop this message from going forth and changing lives. Why? Because everything can change in a day. It can change in a day. This is your day. Why do you think you're here? Why do you think you're listening? This is your day. Everything alive has a purpose. Jesus, what, can you finish the verse in 10.10? Because he continues. That's the thief's purpose. But Jesus says, you know what mine is? To give them, that, that would be you and me, a rich and satisfying life. Life to the full. And here's the question I have. 
Are you living that life? Are you, the game changers aren't just the people that you read about. They're not the people that you just see on TV or the people that have a lot of followers. It's you. It's you. You're it. It's you. A rich and satisfying life, not drifting in mediocrity, but living these purposes and purpose. If it was easy, everybody would be leaving their purpose. Trust me, most people aren't. They're not. They're busy. Their life looks like everybody else's. Barely getting through the day and rat race and this and that. Lay your head down. Boom, up again. Do it 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 again. God called you to something better. The gospel of Jesus Christ calls you to something better. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't die on a cross for you to live mediocre. He didn't die on a cross for you to just get by, just get to the next paycheck, just get to the next bill, just get to the next task. Are you kidding? The cross of Jesus Christ, the most precious gift in the world. So the man dies a perfect death, a sinless, spotless death, so that you might live. He said it. I've come that you might live a rich life, a satisfying life. I don't mean rich money. I mean abundant. Are you living that? It's a question that you need to answer. So Jesus is on the cross and he dies there. But you know the greatest miracle in history, don't you? You come to this church more than a week and you'll know it. The greatest miracle wasn't the cross. Thousands died that way. Thousands. Rebellion against Rome. One man died because of our rebellion against God. So the cross, this lifeless man is taken off the cross and put in a tomb. And three days later, when women came to the tomb, they came to anoint a dead body, by the way. Read the scriptures. They, 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 no one believed they'd find a, a, a nobody. I like it. Nobody believed there'd be nobody, right? Nobody. The women, they're coming to anoint a dead body with spices. That's why they're coming. It's not like, oh, three days later, Jesus said he's going to rise from the dead. Yeah, he said that. But trust me, when you see a dead corpse, bloody and butchered, you're not thinking, gosh, it's going to be good. You're going to come back to life. It's all going to be better. They're not thinking that. They're thinking, I can't believe what I'm looking at. I've never seen anybody massacred like that in my life. So they go in mourning, on a Sunday morning, to anoint this dead body. The stone is rolled away. Some of you, you know the story, right? The stone is rolled away. They look in, and an angel speaks. And he says, I know the one that you're looking for, Jesus of Nazareth, right? The one who is dead on a cross. Well, guess what? He's not here. Why? Because he has risen from the dead. And because he's risen, you can have purpose. You can have life. You can have abundance. You can have prosperity. You can have what Jesus wants. It won't be easy. Anything good never is. Sell out to that. You can be saved, by the way, through your faith. God's grace was on the cross in an empty tomb. That's where he displays his love and power. But your salvation isn't up to that. That's done. That's a done deal. All you have to do is embrace it. Believe it. The Bible says, by your faith, if you'll believe that this story is true. Jesus was dead, but he's alive today. And you surrender your life to it. Ask him to come into you by the power of that Holy Spirit that gives you gifts and make you new. And he will do it today. You can be gifted today with the Holy Spirit. You can be gifted today with gifts, natural or, or supernatural abilities. You can have it today. There is no purpose without it. Purpose starts at a cross. It leads to a tomb. 
and then you take it from there along with the Holy Spirit. That's life. Baptisms. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm about done. It's just so exciting, you guys. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, come into me, Father. Make me new through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm desperate. I'm dying. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I need you. You do that. You know what it says? It says you become a new person. Christ doesn't want to fix you up. He wants to make you new. I love that. The old life is gone. You don't have to go there anymore. You don't have to look at that anymore. You don't have to be that way anymore. You don't have to act that way anymore. You don't have to do it. A new life has begun, and all this is a gift from the Father, from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. Christ is it. Just say it after me. Say, God made a way. Say it louder. God made a way. He did make a way. That way is Jesus. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. You want abundant life? You want to live your purpose? Then give your life to the one who gave his life for you today. Shout today. Give him praise today. Let him hear you today. I don't want to shout at a football game louder than I shout for Jesus. I don't want to do it. People will reserve the whole weekend to celebrate a game and I love football and I love sports. We will, we will manufacture our entire life around a game. And we'll shout, we'll shout at a TV screen louder than we'll shout for Jesus. Thank you for shouting for the Lord. He loves when we praise Him. He loves when we rejoice Him. So, I'm going to close. I, if you want to surrender your life to Christ online, text, just text, I choose Jesus all together to 474747. In the room, you can mark cards, you can text too, it doesn't matter. It's just the beginning, by the way. That's just the beginning. I want to invite the worship team to come up, and we're going to close with a song. So here, here's, here's what I want. Um, the, the purpose groups, those year-long groups that are four people doing life together, we have openings. If you're ready to start living your purpose in that way and truly being held accountable to make disciples and to love people the way that Jesus wants, it's a big commitment. But there's, there's sign-ups out there. Sign up. Life groups, they're, they're different. They're just, we just do life together. We get in the Word of God. We meet weekly. But there's no, you can, you know, if you want to get out in a week or if you miss, whatever. But we don't want you to because you, you, you get what you put in. But life groups, they're out there too. Celebrate recovery. That's out there too. We want to, I want to give you opportunities to live your purpose. That's all I want. I want you to take, don't do what I say. Do what the Holy Spirit tells you. So what you're going to hear is a worship song that Meadows Church, we're, we're, we're releasing music and it's awesome. We don't do it because we want to sell records. or we, All we care about is glorifying God. That's all we care about. So this song you're going to hear and that you're going to worship to is called I Know You Know. And I'm just wondering, do you know? Do you know? I mean, no. You don't question it. You know how much the Lord loves you. How much Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. As you worship this final song, and, and afterwards you're... Uh, here's what I want afterwards. We're going to have the prayer team up during the song. As you worship, you can do whatever. You want to get out of your seat. You want to hit your knees. I don't care what you do. Get with your Father right now. This is your opportunity. Prayer team will be up here. You can come pray with them right during the song. Just do what the Father tells you. But if you need prayer, and you do, and so do I, don't leave here until we pray with you.
So we're going to worship. I wonder if you know. Father, I wonder if they know. Do they know how much you love them? Do they know that you truly gave it up for them? Father, do they know that if like they were the only human walking the earth 2,000 years ago, do they know that Jesus Christ would have crawled up on the cross and, and, and done it just for them? Do they know? I want them to know. I want them to know that you have life, abundant life. It requires us to do some digging and some soul searching. God, I pray we have the courage to do our part. You've done yours. Guide us, lead us closer into your truth and your love and your light. We love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.